You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. ABC Tonight. Special Agent Will Trent. Judge Bureau Investigation. I told him I'd bring my best. Will sees things that no one else does. Based on the New York Times bestselling series. But why Will Trent? He's good police and he's objectively hot. See crime. Put out an Amber Alert. There's a kidnapping. Through his eyes. He read that crime scene like it was a book. Ramon Rodriguez is. I'm a pretty observant guy. Will Trent. Series premiere tonight, tonight central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey there, and welcome to Fan Theory Queries, where we analyze fan theories from all over the internet, but mostly Reddit. I'm Laura. I'm Michael. And I'm Spencer. And this is. Uh, what, what do I call it? What did I call it earlier this Frightening. week? Frightening. Frightening Freaky Frightening Fridays. Friday. Frightening Fridays. Our <laughs> last uh, Friday celebration of the month of October in anticipation for Halloween, our super epic, awesome episode where we all three will take part in a theory that this whole entire month will be building to. You don't want to miss it, right, Laura? It's our favorite phrase. Yeah. <laughs> don't miss it. Okay, um, so my theory that I chose to subjugate everybody to and Laura, because she hadn't seen this movie, I made her watch it with me last night, but she actually chose to, um, is called about John Carpenter's The Thing, not the remake, the one from 82, I believe. Uh, the biggest hero in the movie is actually the biggest villain. <gasps> what? <laughs> Says Michael, who's never seen the movie. Um, <laughs> That's about this all I is. Can, say. can yes. I give you a quick overview of what this movie is about, Michael? Oh, it's it's here. Yeah, please. It's okay. it's. Oh, well, this is the end of the movie. But go ahead. Okay, quick overview. There are these guys working at this U.S. research base in Antarctica, and they quickly find out that they've been invaded by some kind of alien that can take over and mimic somebody. Uh, and make you think that you're talking to that person that you've known for the past several years, but in fact, it's not them at all. It's an alien, and now they're trying to invade you. And so no one trusts each other. It's uh, it's rife for the uh, board game theming. <laughs> <laughs> there have been a couple of board games themed after yep. this. And um, yeah, it's it's impressive. Uh all the practical effects in it. Uh, this was my first John Carpenter movie to watch. And hmm. yes, it, it's just a bunch of guys secluded in Antarctica in the wintertime uh, with no communication with the outside world. The comms are down. They can't reach any of the other bases on Antarctica representing any other countries. The vehicles and have been dis- disassembled and uh, sabotaged. Disassembled. Yes. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> they <laughs> so they are completely alone and they don't know who to trust that's it yeah gotcha. um okay. and the big thing about being uh the thing is what is the process they call assimilation so it's like it's almost like a virus it invades your body and it takes over your cells so um a big part of the movie is also sometimes you don't you may not even know if you're the thing or not in fact, some of the guys are like, I don't know if it's me or not. Uh. And some guys are like, I know it's not me. Not only is Mac assimilated, so assimilated is the term of becoming the thing. So Mac is played by Kurt uh, Russell. 
Kurt Russell. He's the hero of the movie. But this person is saying that at the end of the movie, Mac is actually the thing he has been assimilated. Not only is Mac assimilated, we see him infect Childs at the end of the movie, dooming the planet. Childs is the last other remaining survivor, played by our friend... Uh, Keith David. Keith David, which I love Keith David. Oh, yeah, very so early much that you role. remember Great every actor. actor's name. Good <laughs> job, Spencer. <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh, Max Malini. That's my first introduction to that. No, because I'd seen the thing by then, but I didn't know who he was. Anyway, let's get to the theory. But he's so young. It's, he is it so was young. so crazy seeing him come mm. up on screen. I was like, oh my gosh, that's him. But as yeah. soon as he starts speaking, <laughs> which takes forever for him to finally get a line. Mm -hmm. But once he does start speaking, mm. you're like, yep. That voice yep. is unmistakable. Mm -hmm. Love it. Nice. One paragraph refresher for the end of the movie. After a test determines that Mac, Childs, Gary, and Nalls are not infected, Childs stands guard at the at the station while the other three look for Blair. Blair, who is played, played by, by Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they find Which out. It's crazy to see him too because he was clean shaven. Mm. Not it was as hard big to mustache. recognize him too. Yeah. They find out that Blair is infected and decided to burn down the station. Blair assimilates Gary while Nall's last moment in the film is walking off screen. We never see what happens to him. Blair mutates into an enormous creature, so Mac blows up Blair and the station with dynamite. Cut to the ending where Childs confronts Mac with a flamethrower outside. Mac passes Childs his bottle of whiskey and then laughs when he takes his swig. It's not a laugh, though. It's just, it's kind, just of kind of like a... <laughs> Because, I mean, he's exhausted. He's been up yeah. for almost two days straight. That's one explanation. And running Fresh. around out there mm -hmm. in the snow. Yep. Okay. Um, Mac is concealing. Oh, here's my evidence from important to most pivotal. Mac is concealing his clothes with a blanket at the end of the film. Clothing condition was hammered throughout as key evidence that a person could be assimilated. Very suspicious, yet an excuse might be that the filmmakers wanted to illustrate that they would soon freeze. Let's dig deeper. Can yes. I explain that real quick? You may. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Michael, the idea is that when the thing starts to assimilate, it's odd because they're clothed once you see them as the person. However, apparently it rips up some of your clothes. Because it like it does this whole shape-shifting process. And so like which it is rips super up. gross. I hated <laughs> gotcha. that part. Mm -hmm. And Spencer would always be like, you might want to look away now. Um, <laughs> but there would be shredded clothing left behind as a byproduct of assimilation and gotcha okay somebody had found outside mac or mccready's uh jacket with his name on it shredded outside way back earlier in the film so okay that's this person is saying he was assimilated a long time ago um but we don't know that could also have been planted evidence Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of this movie yeah. that by the end of the credits roll, you're like, I still don't know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. um, right after that final battle, the whole station is burning to the ground, except Max shack, which is at no risk of catching fire as it stands far away. Then a big chunk of time is omitted and his shack is burning. If he wanted to stay warm, why wouldn't he stand by an existing fire or take shelter inside his house? The answer is that he doesn't want to stay warm. The Mac thing wants to freeze and go into hibernation to ambush the rescue party. So that's the whole hmm. premise of this thing is if you find the thing, you have to kill it immediately because that's how this all started was this alien spaceship landed thousands of years ago and they got frozen in the ice 
and they just went into like a like a hypersleep hibernation mode. So then gotcha. when this, these Norwegian scientists found them, they thawed them. They started assimilating into the Norwegians and taking over. And now they've come over to the American base. Um, so if they freeze, gotcha. it's not going to kill them. They'll, that means they'll just lie and wait for the next human. Okay. I gotcha. If you think about it, what is Mac doing lazing around and boozing while he knows there's a person unaccounted for? Mac is a bigger control freak than my dad. That's one of his defining character traits. The only reason he survived to that point was how proactive he was at creating advantages like a chess player. Yet here he is out in the open, without even a weapon. Except his weapon is actually the bottle of booze. Which brings up the next point. There's a filler conversation near the beginning of the film where Fuchs tells Mac that the thing that the thing could be transmitted through food. I call it filler because I call it filler because in other interpretations it never comes up for any character, except here it does at the end when Mac hands Childs the bottle. The music score drops dead silent, and when Childs raises the bottle to his lips, there's a blast of ominous music while Mac does his little chuckle and the screen fades out. The biggest obstacle to this theory is well. Who could infect Mac? The answer to that comes from a blatant lie. One of Child's last lines of dialogue explains where he was. I thought I saw Blair. Went out after him. I got lost in the storm. On first viewing, you interpret it as a lie that exposes Child's as the thing. Because, of course, Blair was in the station getting blown up. But, assuming he's telling the truth, that he saw somebody, that means there's another person to infect Mac. And that person is Nalls whose fate was never shown on screen. His last shot is him walking down a hallway toward Blair right before the final battle. Why would it make sense for the Nalls thing to run away? Well, it's been shown that the thing contains residual memories of its hosts. Nalls was just setting the dynamite that would blow up the whole station. That's why, when he gets infected, he runs out into the storm. Child's motivation to chase Blair into the storm is to flamethrower the last thing on Earth and end the ordeal. In this interpretation where Childs is telling the truth, the figure evades him, while Childs is lost and away from the station for a lengthy period of time. That gives ample time for Nalls to infect Mac, for Mac to burn the shack down to destroy the bloody evidence, which ultimately gives Mac the opportunity to set his trap outside in the cold. That wraps up my theory on the many clues pointing toward Mac being assimilated, but part of what makes this movie and ending so timeless is how famously ambiguous it is. In any case, the main theme of the film is paranoia, so it's only fitting that it ends by a child's letting his guard down, blindly trusting Mac to the ruin of the planet. So what's cool is like they do this cool, this, uh, I guess it's, oh, it's Wilfred's character. He does this, runs these. Blair. Blair, he runs these before he gets, becomes the thing. Simulations yeah. in the lab. Like, the amount of time it would take for the thing if it reached like population centers to overtake the entire planet was like was it days or hours i don't remember hours yeah it was crazy how fast it oh, wow. sped um because essentially it's like a virus almost you know there are ways you could spread one it. little one little particle mm -hmm. can get into you and then assimilate and yeah. take over your whole body yeah. Mm. And and that's another thing about like cuz there is a point that once it does finally take over you it is controlling you and you're gone like you don't there's no remaining you anymore. And so um so it's not like a like a possession, it's more of like you're turning into this creature pretty mm -hmm. much and there's no going back. 
Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's no going back. Yeah. There's no going back. They you they only burn the bodies just to make sure because even gotcha. though they some of the bodies even though they shot them or stabbed them the mm. particles still got out and infected other people. Mm. So that's why they burn gotcha. them. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. There's a lot of flamethrower use yes, in this movie, yes. <laughs> which also was highly entertaining because you mm-hmm. don't see – I was thinking about that as I was watching it. Horror movies for the longest time now have involved a lot of female talent. Mm-hmm. The only female talent yeah. in this film – was a computer voice of a chess machine. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a computer that hmm. all it did was play chess on its little black screen with the green, you know. Gotcha. And that was the yeah. only female in the entire cast. Um, this wow. was all men. Um, and this it was a very unique setting for a horror film that uh, you don't see much in modern modern film modern horror films that's why like, i think yeah. it holds up and it's it's so well regarded as it is it is unique it did establish a lot of um you know set the trend for a lot of things to come um you know john carpenter's definitely had, had a huge impact on the horror genre and um for a good reason i mean halloween i mean i halloween was one of if not the first real well i guess some might say psycho was the first slasher but Halloween, like that vibe really started with John Carpenter. Uh, but anyway, Michael, what are your, th- I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to know from your perspective, having not seen the movie at all and getting all the little yeah. nuances and stuff to be a witness to all the events that play out. Um, so it's kind of hard for me to say, what do you think of the merits of this theory before <laughs> we start getting to some of these comments? But just like, what do you, well, what do you think it? I can I think I can at least base my thoughts off of what information was given within the mm-hmm. theory and just kind of the brief description that you guys gave of okay. of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um obviously I won't be the subject matter expert mm-hmm. here, but um I I think that it sounds like this is kind of straightforward um for the most part with the evidence that's provided. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like you said that there, there are probably things that I don't know or may not notice because I haven't mm-hmm. seen the film that are yeah not necessarily like explicitly stated. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, with what's given, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it makes sense yeah. that this is a possibility. I don't know yeah. if it's a hundred percent true or not. But. On face value, they did a good job. Um, just a couple of extraneous things that you might want to know. Um, yeah. The reason why you know we find that we see that evidence of his ripped jacket earlier in the film, and so okay, you're like okay, well, isn't that evidence of him being the thing earlier? But we have a scene, an awesome, you know, very classic scene. If you know, if you're classic in the sense of it's what a lot of horror film enthusiasts would say as like this is an awesome scene is. They tie up some of the guys they really suspect as being the thing. Um, And what they do is they just Mac discovers that any remnant of a person that is the thing is going to do anything they can to survive. So if if I'm the thing and I bleed some stuff, my blood still has particles of the thing in it. So it's going to do what it can to survive. And so his idea for a test is let's just get a blood sample from everybody and we'll touch it with a really sharp or really hot hot wire wire. And if it reacts, okay. 
then we'll know. And so there's all this tension built as he goes down the line of each blood sample and the one you think is going to react doesn't. And then he just kind of nonchalantly touches one and it's like, blah, it reacts. And, sure, and it yeah. <laughs> but he tests his own blood and there's no reaction. I'd say that's maybe three quarters of the way through the film after okay. you see the evidence of his ripped shirt. See, that's my thing. Now that you're saying that about the ripped shirt or jacket mm-hmm. thing, whatever it is, I don't remember ever seeing him wearing that. I don't. And But the thing is, we also get a call out of – Mac the thing see is. the thing <laughs> ah, is <that's> <laughs> we get a call out of Mac notices there's a light on in his shack when he turned it off the last time he left. Yep. And so that's kind of your explanation of a thing went up there to grab a shirt to tear it up and plant this evidence. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one way to explain it away. Yeah. Okay. So I one question I have is when yep. they're taking the blood, do we actually see them taking his blood, not his blood. That's a very good point. Off screen, his blood is off screen. There are a couple but of they characters do show blood draws happening. Everybody witnessing it. Mm-hmm. They just for I think time, just so you aren't having to sit there and watch each individual. Because I think there were like was it six blood samples, something okay. like that. But I mean, I had the same thought, Michael, because we don't see it. It's still possible that he could have switched. The blood sample. Yeah, I mean, not not to make it too complicated, but mm-hmm. just with gen- basic knowledge on sleight of hand and mm-hmm. like what even just like magicians are capable of doing, mm-hmm. I get. I still see that there's a possibity that if he was a thing, and mm-hmm. the what you said is that the things will do anything to survive mm-hmm. and and spread and all that stuff, that there is a possibility that the thing could have done some sort of sleight of hand thing and swapped out his blood. Mm-hmm. And then he that said, he's not a magician, but he did say it's clobbering time. <laughs> okay. Let's get to the comments. Um, and we'll get to some good points here. Uh, deleted okay. says, I always thought that when Matt gives Charles the whiskey bottle in the end, it's actually one of the Molotov cocktails because they use a bunch of those to set the thing on fire. I but think that- he ran out without throwing some. Yeah. I think that Mac was mm. testing to see if Childs was a monster by giving him gasoline. The monster wouldn't know the difference between alcohol and gas and would drink it to seem normal, which is a fair, I think, thing. Uh, Happy Thoughts replies, this theory never made sense to me. While I think it's invented and unique, it just doesn't fit the alien narrative. Gasoline is caustic and would harm the biology of the thing, just like how it reacts to the heat of a torched wire. Or, to take it even further, the thing not only imitates the physical look of the person, but their knowledge as well. How else would the thing know how to speak and understand English? There seems to be too many ways that the thing would suspect that gasoline isn't for consumption. Plus, wouldn't it remember from being lit on fire at the Nord Shack? Because that was part of it when it was back at that the place where they melted it, the sweet or the Nordic people. Um, I'm sure it wouldn't forget the smell and taste of gasoline. My personal theory is that those infected don't know they're infected, almost like they're a zombie ant infected by a fungus. Hmm. They're still conscious of themselves, but are driven or puppeted by the thing biologically, not understanding fully while they're motivated to do or say a certain thing. The way Norris acted up until his heart attack always made me suspect this. It's also interesting that the Norris monster only revealed itself when being attacked by the defibrillator. The host body dying of a heart attack didn't instigate the reveal of the thing. The Bennings monster also seemed interesting 
almost like Bennings was waking up and didn't fully understand what was happening to him, even though the thing hiding inside him knew the game was up. I just had an idea. What's that? What if this is kind of like get out of the thing takes over your body and you get sent to the sunken place? What's the sunk? Uh, Remember get out? Well, yeah, but I've never seen get out, so I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. But they would still. Sorry. I would have to you think have about that. You have your consciousness, but then the person who's taken over you has your consciousness, only you have no control over it. Hmm. Or, and, and you're just like, so the whole idea was that like they're putting a white person's brain in a black person's body and like your consciousness just sinks down and is like in this pool of water watching it happening to you, but you have no So it's like control. it's like spectator mode on a video game. Mm, okay. Okay. Um, yep. It's been a while, so I don't remember. Uh, Timestone Duh says, I saw two <laughs> separate Carpenter interviews where he says the lack of light in Child's eyes in that scene, as well as the lack of frosted breath from him, meaning he's not breathing, indicates he's the thing at the end. Of course, Carpenter has said a lot of conflicting things about the thing. <laughs> and <it's laughs> no, matter, awesome. no matter, one of the best sci-fi horror films ever. Uh, I never noticed him not frosted breath i didn't notice that either but i mean it's a good point mm-hmm. i guess um would it i and i don't know i didn't notice kurt russell having frosted breath either because they are in the middle of a bunch of burning buildings yeah. around them i don't know if that ambient heat would have heated mm-hmm. up the air enough that your breath wouldn't yeah. show yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's one point. of those things too it's like we've been seeing it the entire movie it's just kind of we don't even notice it anymore. Yeah, it's been cold enough even indoors that we've been able mm-hmm. to see the breath. Um, At one point, it's like 40 below outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Next comment <laughs> is from Didgeridooasaur420. Nice. Um, I have a similar theory, though, but it really requires someone to stretch their mind a little bit. I don't even believe it myself, but I still made it up. <laughs> the theory, Mac was a thing the whole time. Earlier in the movie, there was a plot point about McCready's clothes that w- was never resolved, unless I missed something. Afterwards, thing or not, he was outside for a long time and could have been assimilated in that time. The people inside even said there was no way a man could have survived that. He came in and threatened to kill himself, and after a bunch of events, everyone sort of accepted that McCready was not a thing. Maybe he could have somehow convinced his blood to not react to the coil. Of course, all of this comes up short the moment he killed the Blair thing. I personally still believe that Childs was a thing and that it was gas in the canister. I mean, who carries liquor around while getting alien while, while fighting aliens? Just a theory. I don't think he had time to get infected during the whole Blair fight thing. Blair thing fight. Uh, canister, I think he means the bottle that he passes to Blair. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if I were in a situation where I had to fight aliens, I think I would need a little liquid courage <laughs> to keep keep me going. Yeah. You know? Especially in the cold, and they kept alcohol with them all the time. Blair's drink of choice was vodka. Mm -hmm. McCready's drink of choice is scotch whiskey. Sometimes Uh, tequila, right? McCready's the man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He always drinks J and B. Kurt Russell. (laughs) Um, So, but that's an interesting point, though, of why would, if he was a thing, and the thing's intent is to preserve its life. He wouldn't attack its, his own entity. Um, a couple more, and then we'll move on. King Bully 
Nos gets killed by Blair just like Gary, as per Carpenter's commentary on the film. Childs is seen running out of the building, thinking he saw Blair, long before Blair gets blown up. It's mm-hmm. actually before Mac and the guys even start torching the main building. Yes. He likely did see Blair, mm. as at this point Blair had escaped his shack cell, but had not been discovered yet. Childs is missing for a long time, but after Mac blows up Blair, there is no missing time. Just the time it took Mac to walk to his sitting spot and have Childs find him. There's no blast of ominous music when Childs drinks. There's the regular, very simple and mellow, though tense, score to close the film. Mm-hmm. As has closed out almost every other scene in the movie. Carpenter himself has said that the film was written and shot with no thought put into who was infected when. Until you see someone thing out, you don't know. <laughs> that's a funny phrase. Uh, that's, how are <laughs> you going to... It depends yeah. on how you say it. <laughs> uh, there's a video it's gotta be game. a that's what she said joke in there yeah. somewhere. Oh, no. <laughs> there's a video game sequel signed off by Carpenter that he considers the canon follow-up. It shows Childs to have frozen to death after the fire and Mac to have survived when the military arrives later. He is then instrumental in destroying the thing for good. So but how yeah. did the thing survive? Right. If Mac died in or I mean Mac is survived. And Childs froze to death. Wh- why? What thing are they fighting? They should right. have killed it by then. Yeah, yeah. That's um, weird. There's a re- the last thing is we'll do a response from their OP on this. But so they point to, I think when he uses the phrase "blast of music," was a flaw. It's not a direct. Basically, it's he's right in that it does go silent, and then there is a music cue. When Childs takes a drink, it's not like, bah! but it's just like, boom, boom. The music just came just, back in. Yeah. Um, exactly when Childs raises his bottle to his mouth. Uh, much of your critique is from external sources, most of meaning in art stems from the experience itself, not from what an outside authority tells you. And anyway, the director has many conflicting statements on this. You say that neither of them were the thing according to the video game, but here's Carpenter's statement on the ending. Really, this is a movie about the end of the world, Carpenter said. It does not have a real happy ending, and it has what a lot of audiences cannot stand, which is an ending that has no real conclusion. It's ambiguous. Now, I do know, in the end, who the thing is, but I cannot tell you. (laughs) This this guy says, um, the thing is probably my favorite movie, so I'm sure I have bias in trying to tie up a mystery I've always wondered about, but I'm actually open to poking holes in my theory so I can get closer to what really happened. I would welcome specific reasons to the points I made within the context of the film. So it sounds like no one is convinced one way or the other, which is still what the point of the movie is. <laughs> yeah, that was the whole intent yeah. behind the film. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Okay, um, but I feel like you know we've we've gone a while, we've taken time to k- catch Michael up, so um, mm-hmm. we should probably go ahead and move on. Um, but you know it. It is Friday, and so I'm kind of sad that this is our last episode of Freaky Fridays or Frightening Fridays. Um, I, I'm sorry. Let me just start that over. You know, I'm I'm kind of sad that this is our last episode of Freaky Fridays. You wouldn't like me when I'm sad. Well, what would cheer you up? If any of our listeners would engage with our social media accounts, send us a tweet, comment on Instagram or Facebook. Tell me your favorite scary movie. Ask Michael what his thoughts are on the Cuban Missile Crisis. Tell Laura she is the smartest host on the show. I'd love to know there are real people behind those thousands of downloads we get every day. We get thousands of downloads every day? No. Oh. Why did you say that then? 
just wanted to make sure I have everyone's attention when I say it's time for a quick message break. We'll share our ratings of this theory when we come back. There is a corner of Los Angeles where dreams are brought to life. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. Where stars are born. Raiden Bars! the world! Where legends are made. Oh, it's alive! It's alive! It's alive! For over a hundred years, the world has been captivated by Hollywood. But just beneath the stardust lie a million more fascinating stories. Tales of heroism. Villainy, betrayal, passion, tragedy, and triumph that, when sewn together, form an incredible history. The Secret History of Hollywood, available now wherever you get podcasts. Monsters are as old as humanity itself. Monsters embody our fears, yet, they help us define the boundaries of what it means to be human. We know most monsters aren't real, yet we can use monsters to learn about reality, psychology, biology, folklore, literature, critical thinking. We're on a journey to learn about the world through the lens of monsters, and we hope you'll come along with us. Subscribe at monstertalk.org. There will come a time when we have thousands of downloads every day. How do we get to that point? I think if listeners like Brian and Kelsey and Brandon and Joe and Jessica and Lindsay and Matt Smith would tell their friends and family about the show, our listenership would increase exponentially. If they were each able to get five people to listen to an episode, then someone could do the math and figure out how many new listeners that equals. Not me. Not me. Oh, definitely not me. My only skill is coming up with clever scales to rate fan theories. Oh, come on, Michael. You have plenty of other skills. Oh, wow. R- really? You you think so? Like what? Uh. The highest rating that we have is genius. This is reserved for only the best theories, which we believe are better than the actual canon. The next step down is plausible. It's a good theory. It's believable. Unlikely is next. It's not a terrible theory, but pretty unlikely, as the name suggests. And then the last thing is preposterous. These are the theories that are just stupid. Basically, we're all dumber for having listened to them. Uh, just kidding. That was a joke. We know Michael's super talented. Um, <laughs> and he knows that we know. Uh, but anyway, let's let's uh, move on to this theory. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious. Michael, do you need us to go so you have a little bit more to go off of? Are you I was going to volunteer to actually right. go first. I go think first. I've got enough... Um, just with my limited knowledge on mm. this, basing everything off of what was presented within okay. this. Um, is Mac the thing at the end of the movie? With the ambiguous nature of it, it's plausible to me. Hmm. Um, it may not be plausible to those that are fans or have seen it a lot, but I, I think that it sounds like a possibility and mm. I'm open to that possibility. Um, cool. I mean, I'll have to watch it and make a more precise decision myself, but yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's plausible. Okay. I'll go next. And I agree that it's plausible. Um, but I think it's plausible because that's the way the film is made. Any possibility mm-hmm. should be plausible. Yeah. Um, uh, I've yeah. even, I've seen another theory 
that there were two things fighting each other this whole time. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> so it's the things is the name of the movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that that's the nature of the film that John Carpenter made, which I think is just so creative and genius of mm -hmm. it. It fits either way. Yeah. So that's mm -hmm. why I'm going to say it's plausible just because mm -hmm. you cannot definitively prove any of these. Right. It's true. Yeah. Um, so this came out in the eighties, right? 82, I believe. Okay. So with that timeline, that would be just about the right time. If, uh, the thing from fantastic four decided to have kids since <laughs> he was like in the sixties or whatever. So maybe all of these things are just the offspring <laughs> of the thing. It's not. Mm, they were there for 10,000 years. They <laughs> do not look at all similar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Unless they try to look like him. Yuck. Okay. I'm um, sorry. Now okay. I'm just thinking of that horrible last season of Arrested Development. Mm. That's what oh, I yeah. always think oh, of with the theme. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to – I think this is unlikely. Uh, I can see why people think it's plausible. I think just to say that, let's nail it down and say that he, the biggest hero, the one we've been rooting for, he hasn't done enough, if he is a thing, to earn that title of being the biggest villain, as the theory says. Um, if It depends on the, the point of assimilation that you know we are supposed to find according to this person's theory, this particular theory, he becomes assimilated after his fight with big Blair, which immediately after all that blows up, walks out and there's no time. So there's no point at that point in time, unless there is some kind of time gap. We don't, we aren't aware of because time is somewhat ambiguous in this movie. You know, we're not given a three months later. No, it'll say like winter or, you know, say when there's a season change, but there's no like real definitive timeline. And so maybe there is a little bit of a time gap there, but no, there couldn't have been because Childs has been out there wandering around. You know, he couldn't have survived out there for days. Mm -hmm. So he wanders up. So th there's not enough time if he got uh, infected by Blair to have become fully assimilated and not be controlled and not have any function on his own to control himself. I mean, what if neither of them are the thing, you know, we saw, um, whichever the character was, we don't actually see his demise. We assume that Blair gets him, but we don't see that. Maybe he's still out there and he's the one that's remaining a threat still. I don't know. I just think there's too much ambiguity to say definitively that I mean, if we're going to go in that direction where we could say, well, it's plausible that Childs is the thing. Well, it's plausible that whatever. So I think just to say that McCready is the thing, it's just unlikely at this point. But I love it because we all agree that it's ambiguous. So cool. Um, all right. It is almost time to wrap this up. But before we do, I have something I want to share. Um, you know, I have no problems pointing out flaws in movies, especially... If somebody else pointed it out first, like this flaw in the Harry Potter movies that was pointed out by user Ray in red in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, nearly headless Nick was a poorly executed character. 
Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, that was a good mm-hmm. one. Yeah, That's well done. Good. <laughs> good job, Ready and Red. All right. Well, this has been Fan Theory Queries. I'm Laura. I'm Michael. And I'm Spencer. In our next episode, a very special spooky Halloween episode, we combine horror and humor by discussing the theory that says Stranger Things and Parks and Rec take place in the same universe. Subscribe to Fan Theory Queries so you don't miss out on that and other fascinating fan theories. Fan Theory Queries is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to their other fine shows like The Secret History of Hollywood, Who Did What Now? and Into the Impossible.